0: Wonderful. Great. For those who weren't here last Sunday, I basically gave a very simple reminder that when it comes to to Christian vision, to be honest, when it comes to Christian discipleship, it really all boils down to one clear goal, and that is simply seeing Jesus, keeping our gaze, our, our whole focus on him, and then, in faith, following him. In fact, I saw a tweet by uh, Gavin Calver, who's just about to take over the leadership of the Evangelical Alliance, which we're part of as a church, and he was quoting the, uh, the late great John Stott, who said, "'Nothing,' Is more important for mature Christian discipleship than a fresh, clear, true vision of the authentic Jesus. Nothing is more important than having that front and center. The call to follow Jesus requires us to look to him, to get to know him to develop intimacy in our relationship and then by faith, as I said, to take the next step even if we don't know the whole journey because guess what, we never really do. <laughs> I think God does that for a very good reason. Even when we don't need to know the next step after the subsequent one, we take the step in faith. And for many of us in the church here at River Church, uh, we'll know that actually the next step that we feel God is calling us to is to plant into Epsom, and while Rob and I were chatting and praying, uh, we really felt that before we get stuck into the book of Hebrews and look at how we develop a robust faith to follow the call of God on our lives, it would be good just to do a little mini-series on basically why we plant churches. What is it about planting churches? And so this morning, as, as Claire alluded to, uh, Rob and I are going to do a little tag team. Uh, I don't think we've ever done that, have we? We've done it with our wives. We've never done it to each other. So uh, there we go. Is the first. Um, we've got 15, 20 minutes each. Let's see who overruns. Um, <laughs> apologize in advance. Apologize in advance. No, no, I'm, I'm going to be really, really together and focused. Anyway, we're going to look at this whole subject of responding to the call of God upon our lives, as we follow Jesus, as he builds his church. We're going to look at some great examples, both in Scripture and historically, as well as some contemporary examples of people who have taken God at his word and have gone and ministered to people groups, to particular geographical regions, to towns and cities, planted churches as they go following his lead. And we'll see that it it calls for sacrifice because the call to follow is the call to lay your life down for Jesus. We've got to be so clear about that. It's the call to surrender. It's the call to say, not my will, but yours be done. And it is only when we do that that we truly find ourselves. It's only when we choose to surrender to God's ways and God's will and follow his call that we truly enter into the fullness of all that he has for us and into his blessings. And, And throughout scripture, we see this overarching mission to reach the lost by God sending his people. We see that right the way through. We become the tools that God uses, empowered by His Holy Spirit, to advance His kingdom, to bring people out of darkness into His glorious light, to to see chains breaking that we've been singing about, to see freedom come to people who are wrapped up in bondage. We've been called to be ministers of reconciliation. It's what it says in 2 Corinthians 5. Each one of us who are followers of Jesus, are ministers of reconciliation, we introduce people to the God who loves them, who has died for them, purchased them, redeemed them by the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. The God who wants to adopt them into his family. And so he calls us. He sets us apart to be a blessing you know you are a blessing you are a blessing you're called to be a blessing and you are a blessing and we do that by being messengers of this hope that we have hope in Jesus Christ through our words but also through our very lives that's why we need to go that's why we need to get involved that's why we need to be surrounded by people Get into people's lives. Allow people into ours. Messengers of hope. And we see this call of God very early on in Scripture. And particularly with the call of Abraham. Or Abraham as he was known then. Now, Abraham was, was a pagan. He was an idol worshiper. He did not know God. And yet God in his grace called him and and promised to bless him as he follows him. So we're just going to read that call. It's in Genesis chapter 12. If you've got your Bibles, your phones do do flip to it, but uh, it should come up there. There we go. It's the call of Abraham, as he was known then. The Lord said to Abraham, this is reading from verse 1, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham left. "'as the Lord had told him. "'And Lot went with him too. "'Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. "'He took his wife Sarah and his nephew Lot "'and all the possessions they had accumulated "'and the people they had acquired in Haran, "'and they set out for the land of Canaan, "'and they arrived there. "'Abram travelled through the land "'as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. "'I have no idea what that tree is, "'but it was obviously great.' The Canaanites were then in the land, but the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. And Rob will uh, take us through the moment when they finally take possession of the land, just on the brink of that. But I just think it's so powerful. This call and response. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for the way in your grace you call us. And I pray even now as we share your word, will you just stir our hearts afresh for the adventure of following Jesus. I pray faith come in Jesus' name to respond to the call of God on our lives, that we may be a blessing an even greater influence and a wonderful, wonderful voice and message of the love of God to those around us. Amen. Amen. I think the first thing to note with Abraham's story is that when God calls us, it is first and foremost a call to relationship. It's a call to relationship. It's a call to get to know God. First and foremost, as I said, Abraham didn't know God. God calls us first to himself and then to others, then to the nations. And please note, this call is not based on spiritual maturity. What is it rooted in? The grace of God. The grace of God. Because the truth is we grow as we go. Yes, you know, and and Abraham needs to do a lot of growing. Read his story. He made many, many mistakes and he learnt en route. And we need to as well. We need to as well. We we grow as we go. But listen, Abraham got to know his God. He got to know him from being a complete stranger, an idol worshipper, pagan, to be known as a friend of God. In two chronicles it describes him as a friend of God in Isaiah 41 God himself through the prophet Isaiah describes Abraham as my friend imagine God saying that's my friend over there guess what that's how he describes you if you're a follower of Jesus God calls you his friend Jesus calls his disciples friends. It's a call to intimacy. Because when intimacy grows, faith grows also. It's it's the same in in any relationship, isn't it? When you get to know and trust someone, you're prepared to take risks with them. Like getting married to them, yes? Yes? You go, know, I, I, I risk investing the rest of my life with you. Why? Not because you're a complete stranger, because I've got to know you. I've got to know you. Intimacy has grown. I'm going to take a step of faith here. How much more is that true of God, who is totally faithful and is totally trustworthy and perfect in all his ways? How much more can we take steps of faith and risk in answer to his call. As we mentioned last Sunday, that verse in Daniel eleven thirty-two, 32, the New King James, I love the way it puts it. It says, the people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. Abraham got to know his God as his friend. God's call is always first to relationship with him, and then out of that relationship comes faith to respond to the call. Whether that's church planting, whether that's being faithful as a witness in your workplace, or in your current situation, whatever that situation may be. Ill health, whatever, it's your testimony. I'm going to be faithful to the call of God. It's rooted in intimacy and relationship. It's the first thing to note, I think, from Abraham's call. Secondly, the call is always costly and often uncomfortable. Abraham had to leave the familiar, he had to leave. Everything that he had invested 75 years in his friendships, the community around him, he had to say goodbye to all that, basically took what he had and went into the complete unknown. Didn't know where he was going? God said, "Go to the land I will show you." Okay, that's really ambiguous. Can we have a bit more detail first, please? No. He went. He went. And I think the key here is God needs to take us out of our comfort zones to enable us to grow in faith. Because when we're comfortable, we tend to stagnate. Comfort becomes our focus, not the call of God on our life. And I think the key here is to recognize and not be surprised by hardships. Listen, hardships are not direct evidence that, oh, I've gone the wrong way or God isn't with me. But actually, more often than not, hardships are evidence that you are actually on this journey of faith and actually you are growing through it. That was Paul's testimony. Hardships are actually evidence. I'm on a a growth journey here. I'm following God's call. It also calls for us to be honest with each other. This isn't a call to put on a, a I'm fine veneer. We need to recognize this call is hard. There are struggles. I am, there are challenges. Because guess what? We're not on this journey of faith to, uh, on our own. You know, there, there's a reason in Acts 4, it was able to say, they were able to say that the early church in Jerusalem, that there were not one needy person among them. The reason is, it's because they said, I'm in need. And people around them, full with the Holy Spirit, full of faith, said, let us meet your need. But that need needed to be acknowledged first. People needed to say, I'm struggling here. I'm, I'm not coping here. I've got this lack. I've got this need for others to come around and say, well, let us help you meet it. Let us journey together. We need to be real on this journey of faith as we respond to this call because it is tough. It is uncomfortable at times. We need to express our needs and struggles, not so we can go, oh, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? But actually so together we can acknowledge that and say, well, let's together go to the promise keeper. Let's go to the one who is faithful and has promised to meet all our needs. Let's go together Because he is the promise keeper. And as we see the blessings that he promises Abraham are are exactly the very things we, we always crave for. But so often look for in the wrong places. Things like security. God says, I will curse those who curse you. I will bless those who bless you. I've got your back. We often look for security in other things. God says, look for it. In me what about significance we spend a lot of time trying to make our own name great and yet here God says if you make my name great I will make your name great I will make you into a great nation we look for significance in all the wrong places don't we and yet the truth is, it is as we seek to make God's name great, then he promises to give us and bless us with all the significance and security and self-worth and purpose that we truly crave. Because it's ultimately found in him and answering that call. You know, again, church planting God forbid, should never be a franchise to extend the influence of any one church. It should not be ever an, an opportunity to make the river church great. That's not what we're into. We're into advancing the kingdom of God. We're into to, to responding to God's plan to advance His kingdom, to make His name great. Amen? You know, this, this Debsom church plant, for example, probably will not be called river church. It might be. It might not be. But that's not the point. We're seeking God's glory, aren't we? To advance his kingdom. But God does bless obedience. And he blesses, and this is what's so clear in this passage, so that we ourselves can become a blessing. All peoples will be blessed through you. In other words... Obedience to God's call results in blessing, not just for you, but for others. And listen, we, we know what Abraham didn't fully know, that the fulfillment to this promise is Jesus. It's Jesus. This is why we follow the call. This is why we plant churches, to tell people that, listen, the fulfillment is Jesus, the answer to your needs, the answer to your sin, the answer to your freedom is found in Jesus. And as we're obedient to the call to plant for us imminently Epsom, you know, not only will we be blessed in Sutton, but so will Epsom. It's a blessing for all. And time and time again in Scripture and actually throughout history, we see the way God blesses is by moving people to a certain geographic location or into a specific situation or people group. In other words, he sends us out to draw people in. That's the way he's chosen to work. That's why Paul planted churches. The New Testament is obsessed with church planting. If you've read it recently, read through Acts, the letters to the churches. What did Paul do to reach Ephesus? He planted a church. What did he do in Corinth? He planted a church. Not because people needed more convenient locations to gather. You know, I need a more convenient service location. That's not why we plant churches. We plant because more people need to hear the gospel. More people need to be connected to a loving community that will care for them. More people, more communities need to be represented in towns and cities, communities that are fully aware of their authority in Christ and their power they have in the Holy Spirit to see physical and spiritual and social transformation. Amen? That is why we plant churches. It's such an exciting call. So, to recap, God calls us first to himself. It's important we get to know that. As I said last Sunday, the focus is always Jesus. That relationship with him, it's out of that relationship that we then go. We've got to get that priority right. Calls him first to himself, then to others. But he promises to bless us, to be with us. We've got that assurance of the promise-keeping God. But he blesses us to be a blessing. But here's the crunch. It requires a response. (laughs) It requires a response from us. We can't just hear the voice of God and that call of God. And all of us who follow Jesus have that call. We can't just hear it and go, yeah, being a bit indifferent. It requires a response. And for Abraham, he responded with incredible faith. Just that line, so he went. So he went. And we'll look at this in more detail when we go through Hebrews. But but Hebrews 11 verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he didn't know where he was going. I love that line. He just obeyed and went even though he didn't know where he was going. He took God at his word. He counted the cost. I've got to leave everything. Everything that's been so familiar to me. He was prepared to do that and obey. And listen, the specifics of that call is different for each of us. You know, again, when we think of church planting, You know, many of us are called to Sutton. This is where God's called us, at least for the time being. Until he says, go. Or he might say, stay. And so we gratefully respond to that call in faith. Others are called to Epsom. How exciting is that? Others are called to other towns, other cities. I know some of you are called to other nations. And we just look to God And we follow that call. But listen, one thing that the response has in common, all our responses have to have in common, and this is really the crux of the matter, this is really my prayer, is that these responses require faith. But listen, God loves to give faith to those who will exercise it. Amen? God loves to give faith to those will exercise it. I'm going to stop there. Rob, over to you.
1: Brilliant. Isn't it wonderful hearing um, what uh, God has spoken through Steve in terms... I mean, I feel like I've been preached to this morning. It's great hearing God's word to me, how God has spoken through Abraham and God called Abraham And God spoke promises over Abraham, and Abraham walked into those promises. He walked into, he responded to the promises um, that God had for him. That his inheritance would be, the number of his inheritance would be the number of stars in the sky, the sands on the seashore. And what do we see today? We see thousands, we see millions of people worshipping the living God. Children of God, children of Abraham. It's wonderful to see those promises being outworked today. Those promises that were spoken over Abraham being outworked through you and me today. It's a wonderful privilege. So really just focus in on our response. Steve has really opened up to us the the idea of a call that each of us are called. That God has spoken promises over each one of us. That we've got promises in our hearts. We've got promises, new promises that God wants to perhaps speak to us about and reveal to us. But I really want us to look at, for these last 15 minutes, just that sense of what is our response. And um, really, as, as Steve has said, Abraham's response to the call was one of obedience. You know, obedience. You know, Abraham we, we read the story, we've preached on it, uh, the passage before. But, you know, even going to the point of sacrificing your own son, sacrificing your own son, the very person that is supposed to be at work in your inheritance. I mean, that's a powerful picture, that Abraham was willing to do that. But thankfully, God gave a, an alternative sacrifice, just like each one of us. He's given us an alternative sacrifice, and that is Jesus Christ. So, um... I use um, lots of apps on my phone. Does does anyone else here use apps on their phone? I I think we are a modern generation where phones are in every aspect of our lives. I mean, uh, the amount of times I have to try and tell my my son to, um, Tom, somebody is trying to have a conversation with you and uh, you are playing Minecraft on your phone. Do you think that's a really good thing, a socially... Uh, etiquette thing to ha- be on your phone playing Minecraft while somebody's trying to come. So it's an ongoing battle that I try and have um, with my eldest son. My youngest son at the moment doesn't have a phone but I can imagine there'll be a similar conversation. But when you're on the trains you see everybody on their phones. When you're on the bus everybody has a phone in their hands. Now I'm, um, I'm trying to um, see phones as a real positive, as a real, real way of using it as a positive way. So um, so, I have a number of apps on my phone, and one of the, um, I have a, uh, a special section for uh, apps which I call Bible. And on this, I've got a number of apps, I've got seven of them here, and I must confess to you that I actually the probably one I use most is the UVersion Bible. But I looked at this this morning, I thought, I've got all this wonderful resource at my fingertips, and I don't use it. You know, I probably tap more on Facebook and WhatsApp than I do on these wonderful apps that are available to me. So it's an encouragement to me this morning, even just that why don't I click on one of these instead of WhatsApp or Facebook and just have a little look. I mean, I've got um, B-I-O-Y. Anyone got that app on their phone? Yes, Bible in One Year. That's Nicky Gumbel's app, and it's all their material um, that. Um, so yes, it's a good app to have, and you can click on it. And it's uh, Nicky Gumbel. He's audio as well, and he just sort of gives a little bit of flavour, just to uh, just sort of to refresh you and build you in your faith. Um, I've got Gideon's Bible app. I've got um, Read Scripture which is a really good one, actually. I clicked on that this morning. I thought, oh, I should use that one more often. And it's literally got the whole Bible here. And I just thought, oh, look, this is what I'm talking on today, and the promised land here. And um, it talks about uh, Joshua. And, and it's got all sorts of exciting things. And I thought, oh, I'm talking on the, when they walk into the promised land. And I thought, oh, um, you know, what is it? And I can't seem to click on it now. But it's got a video. It's got a video showing how Joshua and he goes into the promised land. It really gives you great insight into the Bible. So I'd encourage you, if you don't have those already, get some of those apps on your phone to encourage you in your walk with God. Um, but, um, but anyway, when, uh, the, the, the version app that I have on my phone, I set it up, and it's a clever technology, you can do this thing, where it sends me every day a Bible verse. It sends me a Bible verse. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had this um, verse come through on my phone, and as normal, I just kind of look at it, maybe read it if I have a moment. Um, but this, as I read this Bible verse, it was a Bible verse that just sank into my heart with God's truth. And I just thought, wow, that's, that's so refreshing. That's so, that, I mean, the, when the Holy Spirit just does that, it's wonderfully good, isn't it? It's wonderfully good when the Word of God just just goes right into your heart. So this is what happened to me. And the verse that it was that popped up was Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Now, um, Deuteronomy 31, as the verse sort of really sank into my heart, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to look it up a little bit. I'm going to find out a little bit more about what... Where it is in the Bible, what is this chapter in Deuteronomy um, that this verse is all about? And Deuteronomy 31, if you didn't know, it comes at a point when Moses had led the Israelites through the wilderness. He'd led them through the wilderness, he'd led them out of Egypt, and he was literally standing, or very close, to the River Jordan very close to a crossing into the Promised Land. Verse 6 itself comes just before Moses commissions Joshua to take the Israelites into the Promised Land. You may remember that God has said to Moses that he wouldn't be the one to take the people of God into the Promised Land. It would be Joshua. And Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, are the words of Moses, that are actually his words, spoken... To prepare the people that the time to take possession of the land was almost upon them. That is where this Bible verse comes from. The, The moment of possession is about to take place. Now chapter 31 of Deuteronomy is full of promises. Even chapter 30, if you look at it just before, there is lots of promises of God that he's speaking to the people of God. You know, talking of God going before them, that they will take possession of the land, that God will deliver the enemies into the people, the God's people's hands, the, the promises for God's people. Now, as you can imagine in, uh, in this particular instance, you know, as Moses gathered the people, there would have been thousands, don't know the numbers, but there would have been thousands of people gathered to hear Moses speak. There would have been sort of nervous excitement, I can imagine. You know, it was a moment that these people had been waiting 40 years to happen. A long time for this moment to happen. Hopefully, Epsom church plant won't take that long. But they had waited a long time, so there was this excitement, this nervous excitement of what Moses was going to say. They are on the edge of their seats. They are on the precipice of something great, something monumental. You know, it would have been this speech of Moses would have been like one of those great speeches that we see in the films. You know, like William Wallace, encouraging the people to just fight and go and fight the enemy. There would have been, um, I said a couple of weeks ago, I've been watching the Lords of the Rings trilogy. I, I love Lord of the Rings. It's a great battle egg of good against evil. And the very last film... And I won't ruin it too much, but there is um, in Return of the King. What a great name for a film, Return of the King. Come on. Um, so the last film, there is a scene where Aragorn, who, um, who is the, um, he was a ranger, but he becomes this mighty man. He goes from being a nobody to being the king that leads the men into battle. And there's a moment right towards the end where he realizes that he needs to, have a distraction um, so that uh, Frodo and Samwise can take... I'm ruining this story if you've not watched it. It's a great film to watch, honestly. But he needs to cause a distraction for the, the, the ring to get uh, destroyed. But he, he calls the army. I mean, there's only a few. Uh, there's a small number of them. They look quite big, but when the forces of Sauron come towards them, they look very small. But what he does is he speaks to the men and he instills boldness, he instills confidence and he instills fight in these men that causes them to believe that they can take on any army, that they can do what they're called to do. I never say that this verse in Deuteronomy is like that. It's one that stirs us into battle in terms of what call that God has for us. So, shall we finally read it? Shall we read it together? I can tell you're all on the edge of your seat wondering what this great, amazing verse is. Well, I tell you what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. We're going to read it out loud together. I think it's going to come up on the screen. Here we go. So, we're going to read it out together. It's Deuteronomy 31, verse 6. Hopefully, from today, it would be a verse that would be etched on your minds that you will remember forever. So, let's read it together. Okay. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Isn't that true? Isn't that wonderful truth that Moses, that God spoke through Moses, to speak to the people of God just before they went into the promised land? So this morning I just want to spend a few moments literally a few, reflecting on this verse, reflecting on four things that uh, Moses encouraged the people in. And the first is um, to be strong and courageous. Now, what does this actually mean? Is God wanting the Israelites to um, join a gym and work on building up their muscles? Well, maybe, you know, maybe. But in essence, Moses was encouraging them to be physically strong, but also spiritually and emotionally strong. There was obviously an actual physical possession that the people needed to take, that God had promised. And today, we need to also be strong in our battle for the gospel and our battle for seeing God's kingdom come, to advance God's kingdom. We fight a spiritual battle for spiritual authority and territory. The kingdom of God is advanced as we fight for hearts and minds in the world around us. As we fight to see people come into the kingdom of God. As we fight to see people experience the power of God. The awesome goodness and love that is found in the resurrected Jesus. You know, And our strength, as we are to be strong, our strength is not in ourselves. It's not in our, you know, Steve has also said about this, it's not in ourselves. It's not in our programs as a church. It's not in our numbers. Our strength is in God because it is he who is building his church. God is building his church. Our strength Is in the power of the gospel, the message of the risen Christ. Be strong, says Moses to his people. And we are courageous. And why are we courageous? Because we have a secure inheritance. You know, the people of God, they had seen God deliver them through the wilderness. They had seen God deliver them from the Egyptians. They have a secure inheritance as do we, and our identity is in Christ. Our inheritance is in Christ, not in our homes, not in our friendships, not in our jobs, and not even in ourselves. But our identity is in Christ. We are courageous because when all is said and done, we have nothing to lose. Because each one of us has a a place in heaven marked out for us. And for every believer, there is a seat at a table for each and every one of us who believes and trusts in Jesus Christ. But there are many in the world who don't. And God has put it in our hearts to be his chosen vessel to herald the kingdom of God. To let people know that there is a God who loves them, who's for them. There is a kingdom. We're courageous because the message we carry is the most important message that the world needs to hear. You know, we're surrounded by pain, hopelessness, loneliness, brokenness, and yet... And yet, we carry a message of hope, a message of family, of life, of healing and wholeness. Things found in Jesus, in and through him. And one way of being courageous or stepping out of that boat is consider being part of a church plant taking new ground for the kingdom of God, investing in God in all that he has for that particular new place in a new way. You know, even if it's just for a short time, maybe a year or something, that you might invest in doing something like church planting. You know, Epsom church planting in many ways is, is actually not to... It's not a hard way of church planting. There are many ways of church planting, but um, it's one of the easiest, I'd say. And you could very much become and be part of this new and exciting adventure and keep the same jobs. You know, one of the things that um, Abby and I did when uh, back in 2004, we were living and working in Birmingham. And we felt the call of God. It was just a meeting, similar like this, when somebody was talking about church planting And we felt the call to move to be part of this church plant. Now, the great thing was this church plant was actually only down the road. It was a 20-minute drive from Birmingham into a town called Bromsgrove. And we just sensed, yes, both of us, independently, I think God is calling us. You know, and it's so exciting to do something like that. And actually, the great thing was we didn't have to leave our jobs. We could commute Instead, from Birmingham, we commuted from Bromsgrove. And it was such a privilege to be part of what God wanted to do in that town and establish a new work of God in a new community. So the first thing, be strong and courageous. Okay, second thing that Moses says was to not be afraid or terrified because of them. You know, do not fear is one of the most repeated commands in the Bible. Why? Why does the Bible speak so often about not fearing? Well, I think that firstly, he knows how easy we're tempted to fear. You know, there's a potential for a lot of fear in the human heart. You know, a root of fear can establish itself and kind of just sit there. Does, does anyone else get that? Okay, phew, it's not just me. You know, fear can grip us sometimes. And we're like, wh- where did that come from? You know, we can experience many emotions. I mean, I looked at one website, it suggests there's 27 emotions. Fear is one of them. Anybody seen the film Inside Out? It's a great film, isn't it? It's, a, it's an animated film. I had the excuse of going sick, I took my children and it's a, a great film. It talks about maybe the five core emotions that we have as human beings. There was Joy. Joy was uh, great because she, she controlled the desk of emotions. And she made sure that um, um, Riley, I think the child's name, was was, was joyful and, and had lots of fun as a small child. There was sadness. It just seemed to mope around a lot. There was disgust. She was great. And um, <laughs> and there were a couple of others. The first is anger. My word, did he uh, help Riley express herself when she wasn't very happy? And then there was fear. Now, fear from the film was always helping Riley to stop from getting hurt. You know, there was like, "Oh my goodness, can't do that. That's going to be bad for you." And it's a really great way they drew out that aspect of fear. But I would say there are two types of fear. The fear, like in that case in the film, that keeps us safe, when something dangerous or not good for us that we should avoid. You know, like, for example, uh, encountering a a crocodile. I don't know why I came up with that example, because we don't get many crocodiles in Sutton or Epsom. But we would seek to avoid it. There is a story I have about crocodiles that Abby and I encountered one uh, when we were in um, Florida one time, do feel free to ask her. <laughs> but there is um. So these are healthy fears, but there's a second type of fear that is not healthy, and this is the fear that causes us to disengage with what God might be doing, with what with the things that we that the Holy Spirit might be speaking to us about, and engaging with Him. Now, this type of fear can cause us to freeze. It can cause us to not engage. This kind of fear can cause us to react or say things that we don't mean or get angry. It can cause us to control or manipulate. Fear can cause us to do things which we wouldn't normally do. And when we look at this verse in Deuteronomy uh, where um, God, through Moses, is talking to the people, do not fear. This sort of fear is the fear that that um, Moses is telling the people of Israel not to entertain because it's not good for them. When God speaks the words, do not fear, he's exposing the number one tactic that the enemy wants to use to disengage us from drawing from God, from drawing from him. Fear is where we agree with the enemy that God can't use me, that God hasn't called me that God hasn't promised things to me. That's what fear does. And we have a choice of how we respond to fear. We could feed on it, we could agree with it, or we could turn away from it and feed on the very thing that gives us life, Jesus, the word of God, and trust in his promises, trust in his call, and trust in the things that he's put In our heart and mind. You know, it's not a sin to have the emotion of fear. But it is a sin to partner with it and embrace it as truth. God's command is not to fear. And God is not wanting to expose something we're doing wrong. It's not to shame us. But it is to open us up to the fact that victory is within our reach. Victory. Stepping out in faith that victory is within your reach. Freedom Joy, deliverance, fulfilled promises are just around the corner as we turn our back on fear. Okay, the third thing that Moses told the people was this. For the Lord your God goes with you. As the Israelites embarked on this great advance into the promised land, the great promise of God is this, that they weren't doing it alone. They were doing it with the Lord. You know, so often we can feel alone. We can feel overwhelmed with the day to um, day challenges of life, the obstacles, um, things that confront us each day. It could be, you know, children arguing. It could be a bill that just comes through the post or via email or appears on your bank statement because it's in direct debit. You know, work might have given you another task, another project, piling more work on you. You know, sometimes we can feel overwhelmed. We can feel alone in what we're having to deal with. But the truth is that there is one who goes with us into every situation. And that is the Lord. And that is the Lord. And you know, as Israel embarked on going into the promised land, as they go and step out, as a picture of breakthroughs. You know, breakthroughs that actually, as they step out in faith and obedient to the call, they see breakthrough. You know, and maybe being part of a church plant may well be part of God's breakthrough for your life, part of the maturity and growth that God has for you. As Uzra went into the promised land, we see a picture of victory after victory after victory, but they first needed to trust that God was going with them, that they were not alone. And finally, the last thing, God says in this verse, he will never leave you or forsake you. God promises that he'll never leave us. God doesn't get distracted by other matters. God doesn't get distracted by other matters. His sole purpose is to see the advance of his kingdom. And he wants to do it through you and me. The other thing, God doesn't duck out if we've made mistakes or we've made a mess of things. God doesn't duck out if we make a mess, if we make mistakes. In fact, he is the one who picks us up if we fall down. God our Father promises never to leave us, never to abandon us, and and praise God, he is on the sidelines, you know, he's urging us on, he's spurring us on, saying, you can do it, I'm for you. You know, this weekend, I got to watch Tom play his first game of rugby, and you know, To stand at the sideline and watch your own children in a sports match. Isn't it wonderful? You know, it's wonderful to be able to support them when it's going well and when it's going badly. But just to stand by their side and, and just say, yes, well played, you're doing really well. And that's the same of our Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Right. Let's just take a moment to just... We've heard a lot this morning, (laughs) but God has been speaking to us and through us. Let's just take a moment to um, just receive what he's saying. What new adventures does God have for you today, this week, this year? You know, church planting isn't easy. It's hard work, but it's the best hard work that any Christian can be involved in. It's, it's wonderful to feel like you're on the front foot, on the front of God's purposes, literally living by faith, taking new ground, watching God build his church. And I just had three um, pictures, words that I just want to share with, with you. And they might be for individuals. Well, I believe they are for individuals here uh, this morning. The first one is somebody that likes cloves. And, and I just felt like um, maybe even this weekend, you wanted to go shopping, but you either didn't get the opportunity or you didn't have the money. And I just felt God say, well, firstly, you're, you're good enough, a value thing, but also that actually he has a new outfit he wants you to try on. A new outfit, a new, um, yeah, a new outfit, I don't In some ways, I don't know what that means, but I I do feel like it it could be that it's to step out into something new and to believe just your identity, maybe, of who you are in Christ, but just that God has put... um, He wants to clothe you with a new outfit that that really is what you want. Um, Second is for somebody who um, likes Star Trek. And I just feel like... um, God would say to you, and we all know the phrase from Star Trek, but it just that God wants you to boldly go where no one has gone before. And the third um, picture, in fact, there's, there's two people, I think, for this. Firstly, uh, well, it's, it's about somebody who likes running, or it's a picture of running. and And you feel like you've hit a wall in running. You feel like... Do you know? I don't think I run fast enough because I don't think I've ever hit a wall. But if you're, <laughs> but if you're one of those people, you just feel, you know what? I've hit, I've hit that wall. I just feel like God would say, I, "I'm going to break that wall down for you. I want to break it down, and I'm going to help you just carry on the race." And then the the second person, I just, um, I was out running this morning, and I. I just had this picture of a uh, somebody uh, somebody setting the pace. So I was running and there was somebody ahead of me because um and and I just I just feel like you've been running behind somebody or, or you know you, you someone's been setting the pace for you. And and actually what God would say to you is that you don't need to rely on that person to set the pace for you anymore. You can, you can run ahead and God will just bless and encourage you and be with you as you set a new pace. And, um, and ironically, when, when God gave me that picture this morning on my run, it just so happened that just after, there was this person running ahead of me and he was slowing down. And, um, and just as he was slowing down, he actually then stopped and he said to me, I think you might go faster than me. So he let me pass him by. And it's just how funny how God speaks. And then often there's a, a physical um, thing afterwards. And it's really God speaks to us. God is in the business of speaking and leading us and guiding us. And, um, and can I encourage you, if, if one of those words are for you, I'm very happy. I'd love to pray with you um, at the end. We will have a time of ministry as well. But can I encourage you to um, to respond to those? Even now, I'm going to pray for us all anyway, and um, and we can respond. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your call on us. We thank you for your promise, Lord, to be with us. Your promise to go before us, go with us, go after us, Jesus. That you are with us all times and. And I just pray for everybody here as we respond to your call on our lives. Help us to hear you, your voice. Help us to have the confidence and boldness and courage and strength to respond to what you're calling us to, what you're calling us to be, Lord. Because Jesus, it's all about you. It's all about your kingdom, Lord. And we just want to respond and just say thank you for calling us. We love you, Lord. We love you with all our hearts. Jesus, come. Hallelujah. Amen.